Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Left reverse! Right. Slow the out! No, kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I am Keith Smith, your host, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Pete Toll. Pete, how are you this morning? Oh, doing great, Keith. Let's get into it. Absolutely, yeah. And just a reminder for everybody, we're recording on Sunday morning, December 16th. So if anything crazy happens today or Monday morning, you will not hear about it on this show. Uh, Just we're going to get into everything that's happened over the prior week. And we are uh, happy to be joined, as always, by our producer, Connorell. But Con is halfway around the world in Turkey. How are things over in Turkey, Con? Things are great. It's not as cold. Um, I haven't been around too much. I just landed last night, and then this morning I was with the family. But I'm good. I'm excited to talk some ball here. That's it, man. Khan's a trooper. He's hanging in there and do, doing his thing. So we appreciate you being here with us. So we have a packed show for you today. Again, the NBA was nice enough to l- deliver us another trade, guys. So this is, uh, th- this is good. I think we made all these trades happen we decided to bring the show back and now guys are getting traded we we had an extension and a kind of cool two-way deal maneuver happening a couple other signings so we're going to get into all those we're going to do some injury updates and then if there's time where our hope is to get to the atlantic division but with all the transaction stuff that's happened throughout the week we will figure it out and see where we ultimately land as we go so let's get right into it off the top the big washington phoenix trade kind of involved Memphis for a little while there the other night and then that that fell apart so the end result of the trade is Washington acquires Trevor Ariza for Kelly Oubre Jr. and Austin Rivers who go to the Phoenix Suns and the Wizards also created a small 3.2 million dollar trade exception in the deal with that there were no picks involved nothing else there the original deal had the Memphis Grizzlies involved and it was going to involve Oubre going to Memphis and then the Suns were going to get a Brooks whether that was Dylan Brooks or Marshawn Brooks that is the question the Suns believed it to be Dylan Brooks and the um 
the Wizards thought it was going to be, uh, ultimately thought it would be Marshawn, or excuse me, the Grizzlies thought it would be Marshawn Brooks. So that was very confusing for a while there. There was a lot of back and forth on Twitter. I'm sure uh, you were glued to it as I was, Pete, watching it uh, play out on Twitter and all the, no, it's Marshawn, no, it's Dylan, no, it's the, you know, it was, uh, it reminded me of that old um, Looney Tunes, duck season, rabbit season, uh, you know, thing there. So what what were your thoughts watching it all play, play out live, Pete? What was interesting with the original way that it it was constructed, you know, when they said Dylan Brooks, I was like, wow, that's that's kind of odd. I don't know that I'd give, give up Dylan Brooks in that trade. And then it came back to um, Ben Marshawn, and I was like, I don't know that that's fair value either, um, you know, from uh, the Phoenix side of things. But ultimately, you know, let's talk about how the trade actually went down since now obviously Memphis isn't involved. Um Looking at Ariza going to Washington, obviously he had his best season when he was there, uh, best two seasons when he was there previously. Um, I don't know how it helps them this year, just based on kind of where where they are as a team. Just uh, the dysfunction, I think, has really reached its peak with Bradley Beal, you know, coming out in the media. John Wall, obviously, coming out in the media. John Wall just looks like he's not having any kind of fun on the court. Um, despite what he said, oh, we're finally having fun. That was like, you know, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, now they just look like they're in a slumber again. Um, Otto Porter Jr. has been in and out of the lineup, you know, injured, hasn't, you know, really fared as as well as obviously Washington hoped when they signed him to the big contract um, or matched the big contract rather. Um, so I, I think ultimately with Dwight Howard out, I think Ariza could slot in, you know, at the um, power forward spot, if you have um, Otto Porter Jr. healthy, they can kind of mix and match, match their lineups as well. Um, more, I would say, Ariza is there for um, a locker room veteran presence, first and foremost. Um, and whatever he can give you on the court is a bonus, but I think Washington has to look at some other moves just to kind of come off some more salary kind of uh, get this team, you know, something um, so they can stay uh, stay competitive in the East, although they are right there in the playoff hunt because the East is obviously weaker. Um, and then flipping over to Phoenix. Let, let's let, let's oh, stay yeah. on Washington for okay. a minute. I, I, I'm with you. I think Ariza, you know, this is obviously you're paying him a lot of money to just be a locker room guy, but I think that is the biggest thing he brings. I am with you too. I think eventually he starts along with Porter up front. They've, they seem to have found something there. And then that allows really Markeith Morris kind of is, is essentially their backup five. They right. only really go to Jan Mahinmi now when they have to play against somebody bigger. Thomas Bryan has been starting for them at the center spot and actually playing pretty well in there. So, so I think, I think that's likely, to be what it is, you know, where they'll they'll switch it up. I think it pushes Tomas Sadoransky back to the bench, where he will back up both Beal and Wall. They are shorter guard. He's going to be their only backup guard now on the roster. I know a lot of people like Troy Brown, and I like him too. But he's a he's a swing between a guard and a forward. He's he's not going to run the offense. He's you know not a point guard. So they're going to have to figure that out. Wouldn't be a surprise if they bring back a guy like Jason Randall, who was with them earlier this year and then has been playing with their G League team. You know, but but that's you know, it's you're kinda for me for Washington, this feels a little bit like shuffling around deck chairs. Like I just don't think a reason makes that big of a difference. You know, as they go, Con, what about you on the wizard side? Do you like 
this addition for them to bring in Ariza? Like, does it make sense, especially considering the guys they gave up? Yeah, I mean, one, I think Kelly Oubre is still pretty solid, but he just hasn't really gotten the opportunity. Um, I mean, he's gotten the opportunity in the Wizards situation, but the situation hasn't been great for him. Um, he doesn't really pass that much. He, But it's also because his usage is so low, so it seems like whenever he gets the ball, he feels like he needs to shoot. So in a vacuum, I don't think giving up Kelly Oubre was the right move, but for the Wizards, I think it was because... Ariza comes in and does exactly what the Wizards wanted Kelly Oubre to do, except I thought Kelly Oubre was being um, limited into, like, he wasn't being allowed to do what he can do, at least all of what he can do. So I think it's fine for the Wizards. Austin Rivers was also having a pretty rough season. What was interesting to me was, one, they got traded during the Nets game. Yeah. And during the, <laughs> and the Nets game, both these players played the last 16 minutes of the game. They did They played the entire fourth quarter and the end of the third quarter. And Kelly Oubre was having a solid game. It wasn't great, but Austin Rivers also, I mean, I think it's fine for them. It's just, they also saved a million and a half in tax payments. Um, It's not much, but I think that was also partially uh, their thinking. And they don't have to pay Oubre this summer, um, which was always going to be a question for them. So overall, I think it's fine. But like you said, it's, it's a pretty lateral movement. Yeah, so I want to talk about that for a minute there because the the this gives you the sense of what you mentioned, the fact that the two guys were playing and then Marshawn Brooks, if he was initially part of this trade playing um, as well for the Grizzlies that night, that gives you a sense of how quickly this all came together because otherwise what you see is the team's whole guys out. You know, that's actually what Phoenix had said they were going to do is they were no longer going to play Trevor Ariza. He was going to sit out until they could find a trade for him. So so when when guys are still still on the court and they're uh, being talked about, there's a funny story with Marshawn Brooks. When he was initially mentioned as part of the trade, his mother was watching him play and was trying to get his attention on the bench and tell him what happened. And he, they were just too far apart, and he, you know, couldn't, couldn't uh, really, you know, understand what she was trying to tell him. So that's, uh, you know, again, gives you a sense there. I, I, you know, the the tax savings is, you know, one point five million. Hey, that that helps. That helps Ted Leonsis. They're now five point six million over the luxury tax, which is. That's within range where if you can make a trade, you you can get out of it. You know, if they wanted to move, you know, especially if they move someone like, uh, you know, uh, Beal or Wall or Porter, you know, and take less money back. That's one way to do it. They could even do it if they want to just get rid of Dwight Howard. That gets them really close. And then it's Dwight Howard and maybe another deal. They're, they're going to go back up probably i would say six million or so a little maybe a little over that when they they add a player they have to add a 14th player to the roster that they're down only 13 standard contracts so you're gonna have to add that 14th player with sometime within two weeks of this trade being official which we should also mention doesn't happen until tomorrow monday the reason for that is the nba league office is closed on the weekends i know that sounds weird to a lot of people but you know, hey, that's just how it works. A lot of us are off on the weekends, so the the NBA league office is closed. So that's when they'll they'll make this trade official, and everything will go through. So there is a slight chance maybe a third team gets involved and the deal gets tweaked. But but I think they've had enough of that third team involvement stuff here. So Con, I want to stay with you. Let's go back to the Phoenix Suns side of this. So they they bring in Ubre and Rivers. Uh, but uh, Rivers first. You know, I, I assume he's going to slot in as essentially their 
there. Backup point guard behind Devin Booker, who seems to be getting most of the primary ball handling duties with the starting lineup. Is that what you see? Yeah, I just for Phoenix, I don't really understand. I think it's a upside play on Ubre, maybe, but um, they just gave up Marquise Chris, which I think Ubre is better than Marquise Chris, but. I don't know how much better um, and how much is he actually going to play with them. For Austin Rivers, it's just a stopgap, I think. They did need a point guard, backup point guard. They've been trying to get one. Um, but Austin Rivers is more of a secondary ball handler, I think, is his best role. So yeah. that's not even the best move for them. But then again, with Booker doing a lot of the playmaking duties, I think he can slot in there and maybe he'll have the ball in his hands more and maybe he'll turn around his season. But Phoenix is also not a great situation. I was actually more, um, I was, I thought the deal was a bit better with the Mem- with Memphis in, in there because Phoenix was getting some picks as well. Um, so yeah, this, I don't know. I don't know why they signed Ariza to that money in the first place. Uh, now they at least got a young player that can actually provide some upside if he turns out to play as good as he possibly can. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I'm with you because the Ariza con- contract was one of the more confusing ones of the offseason. This once again proves that NBA ownership in front offices, when they have cap space, they use it. You know, they're, they're going to use it one way or another, but that was one of the earlier deals, too. So that was all, you know, a little weird there. And it was a lot of like, why, why are the Rockets not bringing Ariza back? And then when it was, oh, we got $15 million. Okay, I kind of see why the Rockets aren't bringing him back. I, I want to go back to. To Ubre, I really liked him for Memphis when they were initially going to get him because I thought he could have really filled a role there as a backup forward for them. They, they just don't really have anybody like him who's kind of athletic and you know do some things around the basket and that. But on Phoenix, my challenge is he is now just another forward for them. He's you know he, he's got decent size. He's six foot seven, but he's not you know, anything huge. So he kind of really slots right into the same spots as TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, and Mikhail Bridges. Now, Jackson and Bridges can play some guard. Warren and Ubre can both play up and play the four some. But, you know, and I'm going to take, you know, some of their other big, big options out of the mix, like Ryan Anderson and Dragon Bender, because they're obviously not a, you know, have really no part of this team going forward for either one. But, Pete, I want to go to you. Mm-hmm. Ubre, is it just another forward for the Suns? Like, like how, how do you see this all shaking out, really, as the rest of the year goes along? Because Ubre is a free agent, uh, restricted free agent this, this summer. So you, you got to kind of start to figure some stuff out here. Exactly. And I, I think that with them playing Warren at, at the power forward spot, I think that's a good fit for him there. Then Ubre can slide in at small forward because I'm higher on Ubre and where he is now and the potential of what he can become if he can get his shot even better than I am on Josh Jackson. I'm just not sold on Josh Jackson. Um, just He doesn't look happy in Phoenix. Um, and I, I think a fresh start for him might be what he needs now i like mikhail bridges i, I was kind of sad that the sixers you know had him and then they traded him but um with bridges he's been playing the two guard spot um a lot and so that puts devin booker at the point guard spot but then kind of initially when i heard the trade i was like okay austin Rivers isn't a point guard so if you're gonna have devin booker there um as the point guard you've got to find minutes for d'anthony melton and um a kobo you know, to be able to develop them. You've already got Jamal Crawford. I don't think Austin Rivers is better than Jamal Crawford um, as far as a roster fit um, and then in the locker room. So really, I guess I would say Rivers is kind of the throw-in 
in the deal. Um, like Con said, I liked kind of the deal better from Phoenix's side when they had Dylan Brooks in the deal, but um, you know, neither here or there. But with Ubre, I just think that you know he's able to come out and showcase what he can do. You know, even if he comes off the bench as a backup, he's able to score. Um, and now his is his chance to really kind of up his value on the market um, going into free agency. And I think with Phoenix and kind of where they are as a team, just trying to develop anything they can for a sense of consistency, um, he really has a good shot. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you slightly on Rivers versus Crawford. I think Crawford just looks like he's done. Mm. Um, and I think Rivers can at least give you some okay minutes. But I am gonna agree with you that I'd rather just give those minutes to Melton and Okobo. Right. I, I think I think Booker starting at the one is fine. I think that helps the Suns get their best guys on the floor together. Mm-hmm. And I like in you know Booker, he's he's the point guard in in the same way that James Harden has been the point guard, right? It's not right. not really a point guard. It's more of a you know uh, handle the ball a lot and primary playmaker role. So I think I think and I think he's shown capable of it. He played pretty good last night. He's back now from a hamstring injury, you know, and did did some nice things against the Timberwolves last night. Again, we're recording this on Sunday morning. So that was a Saturday night game. I I, I really think he's, you know, pretty solid in that role. And obviously they're committed to him with the max contract kicking in next summer. So so that's it. And you got to figure out a way. I just I, I, my whole thing is you're basically you brought in Uber for a half season. Mm-hmm. of figuring it out to either then pay him a lot of money when you already have Warren, you already have Jackson and you already have Bridges and Jackson and Brit Warren's on an extension. That's, you know, four years doesn't even run out until the end of the 2022 season or I'm sorry, the 2021, 2022. That's confusing. Uh, the tw- <laughs> it runs out in 2022. Uh, let's just put it that way. And then you've got Jackson and Bridges on their uh, rookie scale deals. Now, what I wouldn't be surprised is if this means maybe something else is in the works here. And one of those those forwards goes somewhere else and is flipped down the line with that. But but overall, this trade, you know, obviously I was the same as you guys. I liked it a lot better when Dylan Brooks was going to the Suns. I thought that, you know, was kind of made it almost a win for Phoenix there as you're getting a good upside guy. And I, I'm big on Kelly Oubre. I really like him as a player. I just don't like him in Phoenix with all these other guys. So, right. you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, ultimately where it goes there. It's, uh, you know, one of one of those things that I don't think they're done. I think they're going to continue to keep, you know, tweaking and moving. But what's interesting is you're doing that with James Jones as the interim GM. He's not even the, the, you know, doesn't even have the full-time job there. So that's also something that's something to watch for with the Suns as they, you know, do, do this. We don't even really know how much power Jones has as sound like he might've had something lined up to send a reason to the Lakers and, and uh Suns owner, Robert Sarver killed it and said, absolutely not. We're, we're not trading him, you know, to a, to a division rival. So, uh, P, you got anything else on this trade, or you want to want to move on to the other you know transaction news ah. of the week? Or Khan, same for you. Let's move on. I just wanted to ask: Would you have yeah. done it? Like, like should Memphis have declined? Like, do you think Dylan Brooks is worth Kelly Oubre in that trade, or should they have just went for it anyway? In your opinion? Yeah, you know that's a really good question. Um, I I think I still I think I would have done. What what they do, whether they backed out or they were just like, whoa, wait a minute, that's never what we agreed to. I really like Dylan Brooks a lot. I think he's you know a pretty good player, and I think they've got enough to get by. Plus, it also removes the having to pay Ubre this summer for them when they've already got 
kind of a messy cap sheet. So I probably would have backed out of it as well and said, you know what, let's just stick with what we have. Cause I think you can get by, especially when Brooks is back. I think you can get by with guys like him and Omri Caspi. And maybe uh, even if Chandler Parsons can give him something and then they've got Wayne Selden can play the two as well as uh, Marshawn Brooks. Cause he's obviously still there. So I think they've got enough pieces to get by the rest of this, this year. Now, if it was Marshawn Brooks, a hundred percent, you know, you're, you're, doing that and there's not even a question because Uber is that big enough of an upgrade for you at the forward spot but what with Dylan Brooks I, I probably would have held off too just combination of this year plus the the cap going going down the line Pete what about you that's a good question I, I'm high on Dylan Brooks and I think he fits uh you know it's small forward he plays you know shooting guard kind of versatile role I wouldn't have done it you know from Memphis side either so think they were smart there. I just don't understand NBA executives and how they got that confused and nobody <laughs> decided to call each other. Just the whole thing was a mess. Like I'm like, how at that level of, you know, where the trade was that deep into discussions, does it go sideways? I just didn't get we're, it. But we, we are on a three way call in cons and freaking Turkey. You know, the, these guys, you know, you don't have group texting at least like what ask yeah, questions. It, like, it, it is. Yeah, man, it, it really is absurd. And there, Con, Con, you asked the question. What, what is your thought? Would well, you have done it? if you if, if you took out the picks on Memphis's side and it was straight up Dylan Brooks for Ubre, I think it's closer. I just think, like you said, the cap situation and Dylan Brooks is also really solid. Um, I just think Kelly Ubre would have maximized his talent and his usage and whatever at in a situation like Memphis where they are good at player development. And I just feel bad for Ubre, honestly, because I was really excited that we we're going to see the full Ubre experience in Memphis, even though if it, if it, even if it was off the bench or whatever, I just think Phoenix is a pretty lateral move in terms of uh, organizational um, function or dysfunction. <laughs> so I don't know if he's going to be able to develop um, as he would have in Memphis. So that's what kind of bummed me out. But yeah, I think the money situation is just a lot better with Brooks still being on the minimum deal next year. So yeah, I probably would have backed out too. And man, does that say a lot about the Wizards? <laughs> but <laughs> also, one thing we disaster. So yeah, and yeah, and one thing ahead. about the 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 call and the misunderstanding. Um, I forgot who posted this on Twitter, so I'm kind of stealing their idea. But like 10, 15 years ago, this wouldn't have even been out. Like the misunderstanding would have been caught, right. and then it would have dissipated, yeah. and it would have been fine. But since Woj is so plugged into every word at every second, it comes out like mid conversation. Um, because it, 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 if it happened during a game, you know it happened really quickly. Like so, this misunderstanding probably yeah. the whole time span of it was probably like an hour or two, and then I mean an hour or two of misunderstanding, and then it dissipating. We wouldn't have even heard about it, and it would have been yeah. fine. So I think it's also just the amount of information and how quickly it's traveling these days that makes it look so ridiculous. Overall, I don't think it's that crazy because um, in the end, it wouldn't have happened, and we wouldn't have heard about it in a two to three hours time span. Um, so it's yeah, just no, you're, today's you're, age. Yeah, you're spot on with that. It, it is a, it's kind of a 
referendum on reporting these days too because you very clearly could see that john gambadoro from who is a sun's reporter was obviously getting his stuff from the suns and then chris harrington who is is works for 530 538 and espn and and is based in memphis was getting his stuff from the grizzlies and then you had Woj kind of getting stuff probably from my guess was the wizards and it just was very um it, it was interesting to see how that all kind of comes together and who was trying to control what's been. And I just, I really liked the, um, you know, all caps emphasis on Twitter. If it is definitely Devin or Dylan Brooks. And then it's, mm-hmm. um, no, it is not. It is Marshawn Brooks. Like that just, you know, really, you know, that, that had me cracking up on a sound on a, what was it? Uh, Friday night. I right. was just, you know, that, that, that was a lot of fun. So what, what was interesting, the biggest thing for me was that they tried to frame it like inexperience on James Jones's part a little bit. And I was like, I don't think that that's where it kind of came from, you know, and it's it's just embarrassing. I think for all three that they, again, you said it off the top is you couldn't get together on a three-way call or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, or, you know, what happened here. And then Khan said it too, is this is, you know, you, these discussions happen all the time. This one just played out, you know, very publicly because obviously someone at some point thought it was done and that this deal was, was wrapped up. So, you know, so we'll, we'll ultimately see where it goes. We're going to, you know, uh, Fred Katz, uh, the athletic noted something really interesting with Ariza. The next three games, I, I might have the order slightly, uh, um, off here, but he goes against the Rockets, the Suns, and the Lakers. <laughs> so three teams that were all, um, you know, where he either played or was rumored to be going or mm-hmm. or whatever. So I think that's, you know, kind of interesting there. Let's stay with Phoenix real quick to get into their next um, thing that they did. They signed Eric Moreland um, early in the week. He's a big man. They added him to, to the roster. It was kind of a... Curious move for me, you know, everybody's sitting here, you know, point guard, point guard, point guard. And then they go out and sign a guy who's a, you know, power forward center type. Um, you know, I think, I think that was along the lines of it's, it was really um, at the, the true big spot. It was DeAndre Aiden and Rashawn Holmes and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a position of need. So Pete, I know you've got some, you know, you've seen Moreland like I have over the last few years. He's a, yep. he's a summer league all-star for sure. Oh um, yeah. He's been, you know, earned himself summer league or contracts uh, off of some strong play in summer league. But what do you, do you, do you think he's going to bring much to the Suns if, if anything? I don't know that he he's able to get in over Rashawn Holmes because I think they're they're high. Well, the fan base in Phoenix is high on yeah, Rashawn very, Holmes. Yeah. Um, well, he's, so I don't know. He, he's played well, right? I mean, yeah, he's, he's he done, has done, he has. Yeah. Um, I think he gives you a little bit different look because he can you know defend a little bit. Obviously, rebound the ball very well. Um, kind of does the gritty stuff that um, Rashawn you know doesn't necessarily do as well. So it gives you a different look there. I just don't know that he gets a ton of playing time, but who knows? I mean, he can come in and, you know, kind of bang around for, you know, eight to 10 minutes and, and, you know, fare, you know, pretty well. It's not going to show in the box score because he doesn't really score um, or look to score, you know, that much. So we'll see. Um, I think that, you know, last year showing in Detroit, um, he, you know, did really well. And so he kind of put himself out there a little bit more to the lesser known, um, NBA fans, but you know, not enough of a needle mover to make a huge difference. 
And, and I and I say this fully understanding Dragon Bender is no longer part of the future after they declined his team option for next season. And he'll be a free agent this summer and he's probably not going to be back in Phoenix under any circumstances. But it's I'd rather give those minutes to him. Mm-hmm. You know, then then a guy like Moreland, and that's nothing against Eric Moreland, but this team stinks. They're not going anywhere. They're they're absolutely terrible. Just give those minutes to Bender and find out like what what can he do? I mean, you're talking at most what ten minutes a night, maybe ten right. minutes every other night, because it's going to be Aiden for thirty and Holmes for the other you know fifteen or so, and then then you know maybe you go small or whatever. I, I just I don't know. It just it leaves me feeling cold. I feel like. Dragon Bender is one of those guys we're never going to know how good he could have been because mm-hmm. he was in such a screwed up developmental situation for his entirety of his career. And I'm not letting him completely off the hook because he hasn't shown enough to, especially considering his lofty draft status. But it, we're never going to know how good this guy could have been because he spent his you know first three seasons with the Suns. You know he he could go somewhere else and break. He could be like Noah Vonleh. Who's playing really well for the Knicks right now? Show up somewhere mm-hmm. else down the line, and all of a sudden everybody's like, "Hey, Dragon Bender, you remember when he was, yo, know, supposed to be this thing?" And the other thing is too, he's only he's still only twenty one years old, right? You know, just turned twenty one about a month ago. So, you know, that's a you know you know thing thing there as we go. So, all right, let, let's get into the into the the bigger news of transactions and contracts let's start with spencer dinwiddie signed a three-year 34 million dollar extension veteran extension with the brooklyn nets the final year is a player option the mechanics on this are you know kind of interesting it's what we do on the show so to make sure everybody understands exactly what we're looking at dinwiddie was eligible for up to a four-year deal would have been about 46 47 million or so in that range but but they agreed to go a year less, and he also gets a player option, which gets him back on the free agent market sooner. And how the contract works is he gets, because of what he's eligible for, is he gets uh, 125% of the average annual salary. So that gives him a starting salary for next year of about $10 million or so, just slightly over that. So that's where you're going to see see Spencer Dinwiddie you know, staying with the Nets. So, Con, I want to go to you first. Do you like this better for Dinwiddie or for the Nets? Um, I think it's a great deal for both, personally, because one, I don't think Dinwiddie could get they they couldn't get more than like forty six million for Dinwiddie. I think that was his maximum extension. You can correct me there, Keith. But no, no, um, Dinwiddie. Yeah, so Dinwiddie. Every time we talk about him, it's really painful for me, especially when we talk about the Bulls' backup point guard struggles. <laughs> um, because they had him, and he was playing pretty well there too. Obviously not to the level he's playing at now, but he was only like 22, 23 then. So he still had a lot of room to grow. And now he's just blossoming. He's only 25, t- going to turn 26 uh, soon, I think. Um, in April. And Yeah, in April. So... I mean, he's he's solid. He's making his money. I think he maybe could have even earned more if he waited out the season. But he's happy in Brooklyn. They they're the one that gave him a chance. And I mean, thirteen million a year isn't bad money at all. So um, I'm happy for him. He and I think this makes. I know we're probably gonna get to this, but earlier this week I posted a trade of the day, and we talked about this um, earlier with the Bench Mob crew about uh, D'Angelo Russell for maybe like an Orlando first round pick, lotto protected, and Jonathan Simmons. Not that that deal is gonna happen, but D'Angelo Russell, seeing what you can get um, in the market and getting his $21 million cap hold off the books uh, for the Nets could be an option for them. 
since Dinwiddie is playing so well. So that's another thing to monitor there. Yeah, absolutely. I want to, let, let's put a pin on that for a second because I want to come back to Russell for sure. So Pete Din, Dinwiddie, and I want to make sure do a quick recap on this guy's journey to this point. He blew out his knee in college, which really basically ruined his draft stock. Then he went to Chicago, kind of flamed out there. They gave up on him. Pistons then dumped him. Then he signed with the Nets really as a flyer when the Nets were just looking for a any talent they could could gather on the roster as they were, you know, they did no picks from the trade with Boston. They were just, you know, a complete mess. So now they bring back Dinwiddie and or bring in Dinwiddie, I should say, and he really starts to play play well and then he's getting better and better and better. Now he's to this point. So this is a, you know, kind of cool redemption story for him from going all the way from that torn ACL in college all the way to now, you know, being a quality guy and essentially getting the Robert Covington deal from last year, you know, with a year year shorter and a player option on the end. But but Pete, what what do you think on Dinwiddie? Is this a, was did Con mention something that's interesting? Do you think he could have got more money this summer as a free agent? I think he could have, um, just because of his level of play, obviously, you know, as he put it, he's the best six man in the NBA, but I think, you know, realistically, he's one of the better options. Um, looking at his stats, you know, 17 points, basically five assists, um, 48, 47%, um, from the floor, you know, 37% from deep. Um, that's a huge improvement. I mean, considering, like you said, where he started with Detroit, um, getting drafted second round after the injury, then they kind of, you know, moved him on to Chicago. That flamed out, and um, here we are. Um, I just think that if he had reached the market, his value would have went like way up. He could have been in the, you know, fourteen, fifteen million dollars a year range. You know, realistically, I think, and you know, would have really helped other teams. But um, you pose the question of which side is it better, and and you kind of got on kind of a little bit for for riding the fence but i think it's an equal deal for for both because it gives stability to to dinwiddie as far as where he really wants to be and then brooklyn doesn't tie up all of their cap space i know we're going to get to kind of where they are with with russell and um doesn't tie up their cap space as much if they if they end up renouncing um ronde and um d'angelo we'll see what happens there but um you know gives them a, a good steady point guard for sure yeah, you know, and and I did. I picked on Con there, but in our, I'm going to say the exact same thing. Is I think it's great for both. I like it a little bit better for the Nets because I mm-hmm. think Dinwiddie could have certainly got more. But I can understand where he's coming from because I think for him this is a, an opportunity to really cash in now, especially where he's come from in his career. I mean, 34 million dollars. That's you know obviously life changing money for him, and that sets him up for the rest of his life for him and his family. So I, I really think that's you know a lot of what went into this for him to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I think when you look at it too, he might've looked at a guy like Karis Levert and said, man, that's how quick it can all go away. Now Levert's going to be fine. And, you know, somehow avoided, you know, catastrophic injury, you know, but it's, but I think that's in these guys' heads. And I think for, for Dinwiddie, it's, you know, Hey, I'm here. I can, this is right here in front of me. Now I can get this. And I really like it. Now you mentioned a couple of things going forward for the Nets cap wise. Takes about $10.6 million off the cap for them next year. So I've got them projected next year at about, uh, where are we at? $40.9 million. Now, in my projection, I do have them keeping the restricted free agent rights for Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, which puts a $7.4 million cap hold on the books. 
I'm starting to come off that. He just really hasn't played all that well this year for me. He hasn't developed the way I think they hoped. And then Con mentioned the, the the big one that's flowed down there is D'Angelo Russell as a restricted free agent. If they keep him around, that's a $21 million cap hold, which you keep that around. That essentially takes you out of the mix. You're not going to be in the mix for any sort of max free agent or anything like that. So, so Con, Con go back to you real quick because you brought up Russell. Are you – of the mindset with him that he he might be done in Brooklyn? No, I, I don't think he's done. I just think that, um, he, I mean, he's been playing pretty well. I think he can play a little bit better. And I just think they have they already have a guy that can come in and start for them. So if they do have aspirations of signing two max guys, which that became a little bit more difficult with Dinwiddie's contract now uh, at the number it's at. But... Um, he definitely could go to another team and sorry for the background noise if it's coming. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> um, he, de- he, he definitely could uh, go to another team and really excel there, but also how likely is it that they're going to get two max guys, right? So I think they can still open up um, a one max slot with D'Angelo Russell. And I don't know if D'Angelo is going to get 21 million a year. So maybe sign him early in free agency at around 15, 16. So it's not the full 21 on the books and maneuver there. I just think it's something that they really need to consider and see if people, how high people are on D'Angelo uh, approaching the trade deadline. But it's definitely not a done deal because they also, I mean, having two guards like Dinwiddie and Russell doesn't hurt at all and Russell can be passed for us a lot he can shoot um his defense needs to improve yes but he's still really young and I think has a lot of potential so I'm not out on Russell either and I don't think the Nets are uh just yet yeah and I want to be very clear I'm not out on Russell I, I think you know he's still got a ton of potential turns 23 in the end of February so I think as a player I just I'm starting to wonder with the Nets if if they might be saying all right hey we're gonna move this thing forward with Dinwiddie but I think you're right there I liked your idea of you know this maybe opens up the trade market. Maybe they consider that and then remove that decision entirely, especially if they can get a piece. I mean, this team is, you know, they're, they're not, I hesitate to say they're right in the mix for the playoffs, but they're not far off the the pace. They're only two and a half games behind the magic. And there's no reason why they can't stick in that run for the bottom of the Eastern con. I guess the magic and the Hornets, uh, as you look at it, they, there's no reason why they can't stick in that race towards the bottom of the Eastern conference for the rest of the year. And if they can, can move Russell to get a guy who fits a little bit better this year. Well, we'll go. Pete, do you think yeah, I want to kick it over to you now? Do you think that this is the Nets choosing Dinwiddie over Russell or it's just locking up an asset or how, how do you view it? I mean, I look at it as you can keep both because t- realistically, I think Russell could get anywhere from 17 to 20 a year. Um, so I think you also have to take into account that. He is young. He is, you know, a, a guy that can improve. You've already had him in your system. You know what he can do. He complements Dinwiddie well. But at the same time, if you're wanting to flesh out the roster with, um, you know, basically two high-level assets and you're not really looking at a guy like Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson really to take minutes at the four going forward for the future, you've got to look at how your roster is going to balance Um so he could be a trade trade asset, but I think that, you know, he's coming off his best season as a pro, um, improving as a shooter. Obviously, the the passing is there. I just don't know defensively that he does enough that 
is going to be able to, in my mind, keep him with what they want to do for the future. Plus, I like Karis LeVert better as the shooting guard. You've got Dinwiddie there at the point guard. I think you kind of try to move him, like you said, first. If you can't really see anything that, that's going to make you vastly improve, then you could pull that off the market and then take him, you know, try to bring him back for less money. But I don't know. You kind of risk it because you don't want to sour your relationship with Russell while you have him. But at the same time, you don't want to sell off and, you know, risk losing him and he blow up bigger somewhere else. So I don't know. It's kind of a mixed bag for me. It just depends on really what Sean Marks wants to do um, moving forward. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, one thing to watch there, they, they've they also got Shabazz Napier who mm-hmm. can step in and play that backup role if they, they did move Russell and didn't have a backup coming back. One thing that's important to know with Dinwiddie is he can't be traded now for six months. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, you know, really you're, he's with the Nets for the rest of this season, maybe at the draft if something goes. But I, you don't really sign a guy to that kind of extension with the intention of saying, all right, we're, we're going to move you right away. So, you know, keep an eye on the Nets because there's a lot of moving pieces there. They've got a ton of flexibility, a lot of expiring contracts, especially big expirings like Kenneth Fareed and Jared Dudley and Damari Carroll. Those are guys that they could move if they really fall out of it. They could get something for guys like Ed Davis or Joe Harris that helps them going down the line. So I think think the Nets are one of those teams that you really need to pay a lot of attention to as we head towards the trade deadline. Now, in the same city, the New York Knicks, they also made a big, big move this week. They went ahead in their two-way player, Alonzo Trier, who was undrafted out of the University of Arizona, but had played, really outplayed his two-way contract by a pretty high level. And he's been a rotation guy for the Knicks all season long until he, he recently, he's been out with, I believe it's a hamstring injury, but he should be back soon. But they went ahead and signed him to a standard NBA deal, which they used in order to to get him at the, uh, the, the minimum, it, in order to sign him to more than the minimum, they had to use an exception. They didn't have enough left in their their uh, non-taxpayer mid-level to do that. So what they ended up doing was they gave him their biannual exception, which now comes in and it, it will give pay him uh, $3.4 million this year. And then they got a team option for the second year of $3.5 million, which gives the Knicks that flexibility if they say, all right, maybe we can still get this max free agent, Kevin Durant, maybe you know somebody like that. We can just decline that team option. He'll be then they have the chance to make him a restricted free agent. They can also say no to that, completely wipe him off the books. But you know, Trier, you know, kind of like Dinwiddie, right? It doesn't matter where you're drafted mm-hmm. and where you go, you gotta play and try to get get through it and figure it out. Now, the accompanying move to open up the roster spot was they waived Ron Baker. Uh so 4.5 million in dead salary goes on the Knicks books for Baker. And that's you know. That's one of those things where that probably should have happened a while ago. This is, you know, really that was a confusing contract when they signed it. It did, you know, not no fault to Ron Baker. They offered it, he signed it, and then he, you know, given a player option, which was why he was on the roster this year. Just that one didn't make a whole lot of sense when it happened. It also was the impetus behind that why they had to move and stretch Joe Kim Noah when they did because they they you know made that happen because they needed a roster spot to be able to keep you know a guy like Noah Vonley on the roster this year and Trey Burke and those kind of things. So really just a you know just a mismanagement of a roster spot and asset there for for the Knicks. They really made you know kind of a mess of things when they didn't need to by keeping Baker around. But let let's go back to Trey or Pete. 
What what do you think? This is pretty good for him, but what do you think about for the Knicks? Um, I like it for the Knicks because now they have they can um pretty much lock him into a, a deal that's that's good for them. Um he apparently he's you know has a connection with Kevin Durant, so maybe maybe that helps them um, in the <laughs> pre agent discussions. I don't know how that much is but playing we'll see. some serious connect the dots right there. It, exactly. <laughs> um with uh, with Trier though, he he came out of college obviously as the as a you know good scorer can can fill it up, but he's always been streaky. Didn't really have the you know off the dribble first step kind of blow by guys. Um, a little bit undersized, but he's really um, taken advantage of the opportunity because Fisdale loved him basically from day one in camp. Um, he also benefited you know sadly to say Courtney Lee had the neck injury, so that kind of gave him a leg up there. You're really your competition is. Uh, if you look at Nilakina off the ball, um, he wasn't going to score much um, or doesn't score much. And then Ron Baker. So um, because they you know, also have Tim Hardaway Jr., but you knew you weren't going to surpass Hardaway. So how do you get into the rotation? And that's just hustling, picking your spots and, you know, scoring when you have the opportunity. And he's done everything well. Um, he looked better than Knox, looked better than Hazonia. Um and really kind of became a fan favorite of the Knicks. And he's not shot the ball, you know, bad. It's just that um, I think the only knock I would say on Trier is he has to slow down a little bit on offense and pick his spots yeah. a little better. Yeah. Um, but I think overall I like him as a piece. Now, going forward, he's not going to be this piece where it's like, oh, man, we got a six-man-of-the-year candidate, but I think he can be that eighth, ninth man in a rotation and, and really solidly contribute as the Knicks try to rebuild for the future. Yeah, I, I, a couple of things there. I'm with you on slowing down. I mean, he's, he's a little out of control at times, but there's sometimes when that almost benefits him because I think teams aren't ready for, like, he's, he's just always on the attack, right. which, which I kind of like. Now, he does turn 23 midway through January, so about a month from now. So that's that's pretty old for a rookie. So I almost kind of look at it as like he is kind of in a sense, it's like they, by signing him to this contract, it's think of him as like, he's in the second or third year of his rookie scale deal. That's the kind of money he's making. And that's the kind of flexibility the Knicks have with having him on the roster, you know, and they, they can you know decline that team option and move off him if, if they need to. So, so you got that, but, but what, you know, stands out to me now is with Trier and then, Hardaway Jr. and Lee and Damian Dotson and then Nilakina and Moutier. The Knicks have all these guards that are about six foot five. They, they're kind of like the Suns with forwards. They've just got all mm-hmm. these big, big guards. So, Con, where, what, what do you see shaking out? I mean, someone's got to go. I know everybody assumes it's Courtney Lee, but well, what do you think happens with the Knicks and that kind of just, you know, collection of guards there? Well, I don't know what's going on with uh, Nilakina and their front office and their team, but he was sat for three games yeah, uh, just so a week ago. He he was the eighth pick. I still really like him. I'm sure a lot of teams around the league really like him. Um, so if some guy, one guy needed to go and it's not Courtney Lee, I think the Knicks try to see what his worth is around the league, and they might be able to get something. Um, maybe a late round, a late first round pick, but they're kind of hurting themselves by not playing him as much although he is back in the rotation and i think he's gonna be able to play his way back onto the knicks um future if not i'd be happy as any other team to take him on so that's probably it um 
with, I, well, with I want to Freer. jump in there real yeah, quick. Go ahead. Sorry. On Nilakina, go ahead. I wonder if this is one of those things where it was something he didn't have his head right momentarily and i wonder if it was a hey go take a seat for a couple games and and get your head right and then we'll bring you back because i he's just he's too he's got too much talent he's too young for Mm -hmm. them to you know have written him off already so so go ahead con i cut you off there but i I wanted to get that in on on nilakina yeah no for sure and and then also i mean you got tim hardaway damian dotson um they can play the three uh, Hazonia also can play the three, I think, especially in today's league where a lot of teams play two guards. So I don't think having too many guards is too big of a deal because you almost always have room for at least five, maybe six, if you want to go small throughout the game um, with two rotation spots for each of the one, two, and three positions. So I don't think it's that big of a problem, especially injuries happen, uh, you need depth, and these are all young guys, so you don't know who's going to pop. Uh, it's unlikely that all of them will pop. So I don't think it's too big of a problem. I think, uh, especially with Courtney Lee leaving um, this season with Alonzo Trier still being a rookie, Nilakina still getting his, and Dotson is essentially, he was on the roster last year, but he's really getting rotation minutes now. Uh, Hazonia is the first, this is the first time he's really getting rotation minutes too. So I think it's fine having a bunch of them, especially because they're all young. If they were all veterans and expecting solid rotation minutes, I think then it would be a problem. Um, But here you can see who's actually going to be able to play and they're not going to win much either. So you can keep them all at, I mean, I'm looking at their minutes now. They're all around 18 to 24 anyway. The lead, the leading minutes guy on the Knicks is Tim Hardaway with 33 and is Cantor with 27. Then no one else is over 26 basically. So they're spreading it out pretty well. I don't think it'll be a problem. Yeah. I think Courtney Lee is, he's obviously not really a part of the future there for the Knicks. I think the idea with Lee right now, I think he's getting those rotation minutes to show that he's healthy and, you know, maybe he can help, help somebody because 12, 12.2 million this year, 12.7 million next year. They, they don't really want that contract. They're good if they can, you know, move him off elsewhere and then kind of give all those minutes to, to those younger options. And then the guy who's, you know, really kind of benefited from Nilakina being out of the rotation and Trey Burke being hurt is, Emmanuel Moutier mm-hmm. and you know Knicks fans are all about this guy now I, I had people telling me we got to figure out a way to way to resign this guy and I was like it's Emmanuel Moutier now it's Knicks fans so if Moutier has a week or two where he starts to shoot like Emmanuel Moutier again and hits 25% from three they'll be like this guy sucks get him out of here give all those minutes to you know whoever the next available option is so it's you know it's just the the fickle well, they, nature of it they went yeah, back in, at draft time too so that's <laughs> yeah. a lot of fans were clamoring for it then so yeah i don't yeah it's it, it, it's you know i mean Boudier does this right he did this with the nuggets too where he had those stretches where he looked really really good his for, mid-range you know, shooting is really good this year though it has been I, I you know what i think he's starting to figure it out a little bit too which is again i mean he's how old is he? he's only 22 22 you know, turns yeah. 23 in March and and sometimes I think we expect too much of these young point guards it's the hardest position in the NBA to learn you know and these guys you you got to give them until they're in their you know early 20s maybe even mid 20s before they really start to figure it out and maybe he is figuring that out is all right I gotta stop with these you know outside jumpers and stuff and focus on getting to the basket he's improved as a passer and a playmaker too yeah. uh, which is, is good he seems to have good chemistry with Hardaway and and then a couple of the younger guys like, like Kevin 
Kevin Knox, and then not not anything that were you know no transaction related. But Noah Vonley, this guy's the like steal of the summer right now with the way he's yeah, playing. Absolutely. Minimum contract, and yeah, yeah, he's just been been phenomenal for the Knicks. So I I really like. And that's why they brought Fizdale in though the player development. Yeah. Even though yeah, the relationship exactly. with Gasol went sour in in Memphis, that's kind of a one, you know, kind of thing with with him. I I don't know. I think that just overall, you know, the Knicks record's not going to be good. And I I know we'll once we eventually get to the Atlantic Division um, <laughs> next episode, <laughs> um, I think that you know we'll dive deeper into to where the Knicks are. But I think overall, f- Knicks fans. Might have a down year this year, not having Porzingis and all that, but they have to feel good about the development, you know, with Fizdale there as a coach. Yeah, and Kevin Knox now starting, and mm-hmm. you know he's it's Kevin Knox. He's going to have games where he looks absolutely terrible, and then he's going to have games where he looks great. He's a rookie, and you know now that's you know the most important thing is that he's playing. Mitchell Robinson's playing regular minutes uh, behind Ennis Cantor. He's even started a couple times, I think, so far. So I think that'll be you know just those, those are the guys. Yeah, those those are the guys you're tuning in for. And I'll tell you what, this team plays hard. Play they play really really hard. So they're not uh they're not one of these bad unwatchable teams that's you know so terrible because you're running out veterans they get a lot of young kids that are worth checking out and again like you said that they play really really hard so all right before we we got one more signing to get to but before we get to you guys got anything else on on trier in the knicks i'm good i don't have nope. anything go ahead all right let's do it Let, let's get into the last transaction. Oh, one thing one oh, yeah. thing go ahead I just want to say how much trier reminds me of devin booker every time i watch him play um not completely at his skill level but one they kind of look alike also <laughs> and they, two they <laughs> um and two his jumper is also really pretty like alonzo Trey's jumper is one of my favorite jumpers in the league just shooting form wise and the style of play trier doesn't pass as much um but i think he can also develop that game much like booker has over the years um so that's a comp that i've i've been making but they are also kind of the same age i think right i mean booker is really yeah, young right, might right. might even be younger at this point I think Booker is. Anyway, I just want to mention that. No, that's a, that's a good point, too. Uh, now I'm looking it up. Uh, yeah, Booker is younger by about six months or so um, than, than sure. So there you go. <laughs> oh, um, nine months, actually. Um, I can't do math this early on a Sunday morning. Um, yeah, the one thing I would say with Trier is I don't think he has quite the range on his jumper that, that Booker does, uh, but that'll come. You know, I, I think that's one of the things you you watch him add, you know, as he goes um, along there. So, so yeah, so it's the the Knicks are, you know, they're 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 bad and they're going to be really bad. But I think they're okay with that, and I think their fans are okay with that. But they're fun to watch. Like I really enjoy watching this team team play. So, all right, last signing of the of the week. Speak, speaking of guards who like to shoot, um, Nick Young back in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's back. You know, he's been with the with the Denver Nuggets. He he comes in. He basically what the Nuggets are. So the Nuggets so injury ravaged. We're gonna get to that in the next couple of minutes here um, as we we run down the the injuries that are going on around the NBA. But the the Nuggets. Uh, have that injury exception so they they can have a 16th standard contract on the roster and they had brandon goodwin there for a while and then let him go and brought in nick young to replace him goodwin today news broke just this morning on sunday morning again we're recording sunday december 16th in the morning goodwin's going to return on a two-way contract pete and i were talking about it before the show we're both guessing that it's devon akun purcell who goes out goodwin would replace him thomas welsh was a second round pick seven foot center and the nuggets seem 
to really like him. Plus, he's on a two-year two-way contract, so I think he's probably gonna gonna stick around. I'd be very surprised if it was was him who went in in place a good one. But Nick Young back in the NBA. So so Con, let's throw it to you. What do you does this even matter for for the Nuggets? Uh, I mean, it's it's matters in the short term when they're really hurt and they need some bodies. Uh, it obviously that's why they did this. I would say. Um, just in case the injuries don't get better and they continue and they need some players to give them 12 to 20 minutes, whatever they need. And Nick Young's proven that he can do that in spurts. And we'll see how it, how it goes. Um, it's not a big move, obviously. The Nuggets are still the one seed, so they want to they wanna carry that. Uh, and I like Nick Young on basketball teams. It's more entertaining when he's on the team than <laughs> when he's in the league than when he's not. So I'm all about it. It's, it's not going to be a big, huge impact, though, obviously. It's especially fun when the Nuggets are playing like one of those 10 o'clock games on the East Coast. And then it's yeah. like, hey, Nick Young's in there. Yeah, let's see what he does. Um, I, I'm with you. I was being a little facetious. It does matter because right now the Nuggets, are, they're starting Mason Plumley, uh, Nikola Jokic, Torrey Craig, Wancho Hernan Gomez and Jamal Murray. So it's Hernan Gomez had already kind of slotted into the starting spot a while back, but with Gary Harrison and Millsap out, they've been replaced. That bumps Malik Beasley up in the rotation. So he is now the primary backup wing for the Nuggets. And then Young gives them at least another option, you know, on those nights if Beasley doesn't have it going. Sounds like Will Barton's getting really close, um, which they, they could really use. And we'll, we'll talk again through through their injuries a little bit more as we go. But but P, Nick, Nick Young, he he, play, he did actually play pretty well for the Warriors last mm-hmm. year, you know, did did some stuff for them. So so what, what do you think about him in Denver? I mean, I think he can not, he, obviously, you know, from the swag level, <laughs> um, he gives them, you know, a benefit, you know, off the court, you know, for the media, but I think on the court, you know, hit some threes, that's about it. He's not going to play defense or anything like that, but you just kind of brought in for, for instant outside shooting and that's what he's going to do. And, uh, you know, with the rash of injuries, like Khan said, and, and you alluded to as well that, you know, it's, it's what they need right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no no way they're gonna uh, you'll be able to make it around around that. They are just so banged up. So so let's do it. Let's get into the injury update around the league and uh, some rotation stuff. Let's just start with the Nuggets since we're already on them. The update there is Gary Harris hip. He, he's not even going to be evaluated for another week or two, and then we'll see. And then Paul Millsap's uh, broken toe sounds like mid January for him at the earliest, which is. It's 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 both you know frustrating, but it's also one of those things. I don't know. It's the worst thing in the world for him to kind of get some rest and get off his legs for a little bit mid season. I think you know as he's getting older, that that you never want to see anybody hurt, but that might help. And then Will Barton sounds like he's coming back in you know any time now. Sounds like he's getting really close. And then Isaiah Thomas sometime this month is the the plan for him. Michael Porter Jr. Still sounds like we're probably not going to see him him this year. Jared Vanderbilt, their other first-round draft pick, sounds like he's going to be out for a while. The one thing that interests me with Thomas is what his role even ends up being because Monte Morris has been great yeah. for Denver. There's some people in Denver who I've seen hitting the Denver guys up on Twitter saying, like, 
could we trade Jamal Murray? What could we get for him? Could more oh, start, you know, or just shoot it? Yeah, that's that's my reaction. Oh. Um, but but and then there's been other guys who said, you know, hey, Tory Craig gives us nothing offensively, which is a hundred percent true. Is it better to start Morris and slide Murray over to the two off the ball? Which mm. you know the 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 first part, man, eh, that's just silly. You're not trading Jamal Murray. Yeah, right. the guys, you know, terrific. But more starting, eh, maybe. You know, I, I think it depends on the matchups. Um, if you don't have a big scoring guard that Craig has to guard on the other side, I I could see it. I, I don't I don't have too big of a problem with it. But you got to do it when Thomas is back because then otherwise you don't have a backup point guard. Right. So so that's yeah we'll we'll see there. Um, all right. The other injury updates. Let, let's go through them. We're gonna go through them alphabetically by team. So so we'll start off with the Boston Celtics, and they, these are new. So these are these are new updates from the last time we recorded. Uh, if so, if we don't talk about a team or a player, it means there's not there hasn't been any kind of significant update. So Al Horford's out. He's got a uh, you know runner's knee is essentially what he's been uh, diagnosed with. I'm not gonna. I think it's paleofemoral tibial soreness or something like that. Um, but basically, he's got a sore knee. Um, so he he's out. He's day to day. He has not played in the last handful of games. Boston lost last night to the Detroit Pistons, snapped their eight game winning streak. And now he will be on the shelf for at least three more days. But that's because the Celtics are off. So I think these three days of practice are going to be big. So so they but they miss him. You know, they, they miss his defense, especially they didn't have anybody who could go passing. Too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's bad passing, you know. The one thing I'll say with that, though, is Daniel Tice and Aaron Baines are better passers and ball movers than than they're given credit for. I mm-hmm. think they know what to do, but but you don't. But with Horford, it just unlocks a lot of stuff. They can do a lot of off ball things and uh, run a lot of offense through him, you know, out at the 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 arc and those kind of things. So 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 you're right on that. They're, you know, but the big thing is the Celtics have kind of gotten back now. They're they're you know they lost last night, but you know it wasn't you know. Yeah, eight game win streak. You're gonna lose eventually. We're gonna rip off 62 straight wins. You know, no matter how much Celtics fans want to think think they might. So, guess thoughts on Horford? Well, let me let me ask you a specific question. So, Pete, I'll go to you first. Mm-hmm. Should they just hold him out until he's absolutely right? They need to because based on you know kind of where they are. I mean, they obviously hit the big um, winning streak, but before that, it's like just trying to find any kind of consistency. I think you get everybody back healthy, get them right. Um, not only physically but mentally, and then figure out what combinations work. I think they're onto something with the uh, starting five they have right now. But you know, long term, you've got two really good guys coming off the bench. So I don't know. We'll you know we'll see. But holding out Horford, I mean, he's too valuable for this team to be successful to rush him back. Yeah, I agree with you there. So let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets. Alan Crabb has been battling again. He's got some knee soreness as well, so he's been kind of in and out of the lineup. Recently termed as day-to-day. And then Karis LeVert, uh, Michael Scotto of The Athletic had a good report on him where he saw him and walking with no noticeable limp, and he looks pretty good. So sounds like he'll be back in February there as the Nets try to evaluate what's happening there. And then, Con, I want to go to you with the Bulls. We got one injury guy and one guy not hurt just out of the rotation zach levine knee injury he is uh day-to-day for the for the bulls it looked worse than it was sounds like it's really not too bad so hopefully he'll be all right and get back in there sooner than jabari parker completely out of the rotation in chicago is the word and they they're you know openly looking for trade possibilities so what do you think they're about your bulls 
Yeah, um, interesting stuff, as always, getting a season's worth of headlines in a week, almost every week <laughs> for, for the Bulls here uh, these past couple weeks. Jabari being out of the rotation is fine. I mean, just in a vacuum, I thought it doesn't make me upset that they took the risk on him. Um, he has been playing better lately. I just think there's a lot of players that need the ball in their hands, and they like Bobby Portis over Parker at this point, and they're not going to pick up that $20 million option next year anyway, so at least see what you can get for him. Maybe another team might be able to give you a high-end second. Maybe if you're lucky, gets a slight bad salary with a late-round first. That's like probably the best-case scenario. I don't think it's really likely, but um, just see what you can get for Jabari. I don't mind it at all. I think you can um, plug other guys in. They're not lacking at the four, especially with their guys back. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting situation. I'm surprised that they cut their losses uh, so quickly. It's not something the Bulls generally do is accept some costs. So I'm actually, actually happy that they were able to do that at least. Um, and then coming to the Zach Levine injury, they had that big win against the Spurs yesterday. I was busy. I was flying and just landing, so I couldn't catch it. I'm excited to see the replay uh, tonight or maybe tomorrow. But it seems like Don was making a lot of plays, and Levine, yeah. it's one thing that he didn't do as much, although he has been getting better this season, is passing the ball. Um, it seems like whenever he has a, whenever his teammates are hitting the shot, he's okay to pass it. But I think within the game, when he senses that his potential assists or plays that he's trying to make for others aren't amounting to anything, he gets frustrated and then starts doing things on his own, which is a habit that he needs to break. But I do think he has the passing in him. He's still pretty young to only 23, 24 years old. So um, he needs to figure that out. But at this point, I just like that Chris Dunn's going to get a lot more of the playmaking duties and get him into rhythm as he's coming back from that injury as well. Um, and then maybe if they do have some success with Levine out, he'll be able to see like, hey, look, I need to pass all game and not just when I think it's working. Uh, so it's fine. I want to see the whole core play together. So that's a bummer. But I think it's fine. They, they have some depth there. Yeah, I was up early this morning and I flipped it on and watched the the game because I wanted to see how they they won and I knew Chris Don had had a big big game and he did it an old school way get into the basket and with mid range jumpers he only took two threes and missed both of them but he still scored twenty four points at eleven and nineteen from the floor and looked really good. Um, Archie Diakno did a nice job too as a playmaker, six assists last night. So you know something interesting there and, I, and I'm with you on the sunk costs on Parker. If if you're gonna move on, then you know the right move is. Probably Probably to eat a bad salary and then, you know, get an asset with it. I know there's still this talk of them thinking they might be free agent players this summer. I just, I don't think it's realistic and I don't think it makes sense. Carter's not ready for that. Markinen's not ready for that. Dunn's not ready for that. Just keep this thing go steady move it forward build around the young guys and just you know let, let that be you know how how it goes forward there's no reason to rush anything or do um you know anything silly with you know trying to add uh you know all this talent you know right, right away because they're, they're just they're, they're not going to get a kevin durant kind of guy so what's the point you know just just build around the kids all right continuing on through here we'll go little little rapid fire here tristan thompson out for the cleveland cavaliers that's a Kind of big loss because both is can't build any trade value while he's out, as well as they they just don't have a lot in the form of bigs. Kevin Love's still on the shelf, and then Channing Frye's been starting. Ante Zizic is uh, doesn't really play, and that's the, Larry Nance. That's it. That's those are all the bigs on the Cavs roster, but they're 
you know, doesn't really matter because they're not very good. Uh, Dallas Dirk Nowitzki is back. He returned this week uh, to the lineup, played off the bench. It sounds like that's going to be his role, and it sounds like he's perfectly okay with that. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get a couple starts here and there towards the end of the year, more around the idea of him being the – that's his send off, you know, as a veteran, but, but we'll see. And let's say he adapts to a bench role. It looks pretty good in 10 minutes a night off the bench. He may say, yeah, you know what? Maybe let's run this thing back. Um, you know, another year or two golden state Demarcus cousins is on an NBA GL assignment. So he's been going down and practicing with the Santa Cruz warriors. Sounds like January for him, but it sounds like he's getting really close with, with cousins. There's been some video that surfaced of him. It, you know, it's so hard to know because this guy wasn't an explosive athlete to begin with. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, really when we actually get to see him in game action, how he's looking Houston Rockets, James Ennis out with a hamstring injury. Indiana Pacers, Victor Oladipo came back from his knee injury this week. So, Pete, I want to pause there on the Pacers. Played pretty well without Oladipo, and they're hanging in there in the top of the Eastern Conference race. Yeah, absolutely. And that was actually um, one of the questions, obviously, we um, are cl- one of the things we do is our closing thoughts. That was actually the Pacers are going to be my closing thoughts, um, you know, for the show. But I'll go ahead and, and throw it out there. They're now 19 and 10 unfortunately my sixers fell down in the standings but um looking at the pacers moving forward this week i mean they get cleveland brooklyn new york and they get a banged up uh toronto raptors team so they have a chance to go 4 and 0 and really hit a stride so um they looked really good without oladipo and now they get their best player um you know arguably on both sides of the ball back and and healthy so you know things are looking great for indiana moving forward yeah, it's just really good quality depth up and down that mm-hmm. lineup, especially at the guard spots. They've got him, they've got Collison and Joseph and Evans and Aaron Holiday played really well while he's out, which kind of birthed some some conversation that maybe Collison or Joseph could be on the move and in, in Holiday sliding in there as a permanent rotation member. I think the Pacers, another team you you want to watch them going into the trade mm-hmm. deadline because I think they they might have something to to do there as they go forward. Clippers, Lou Williams is out with a hamstring injury and him being out has kind of coincided with a little bit of a slide here for the Clips as they are, have dropped three straight. They are now down to 17 and 12 in the West. And this is what we talk about with the West. You you win or lose two or three straight, and you're going to be in a very different spot in the standings. And all of a sudden they went from you know right around the one seed to now, now they're down to fifth. So uh, kind, of, kind of interesting there. It's, you know, anytime I look at the West standings, I always kind of laugh. They're, they're in fifth place, two and a half games out of first place, and four games out of 14th place. So that's a huge chunk uh, of scoring to lose, though. I mean, he doesn't oh, give man, you anything yeah. defensively, but, I mean, come on. Yeah. That's like oh, that's, 20 points, obviously, yeah. right there. No, definitely. And then the Lakers, Brandon Ingram still out with an ankle injury. Rajon Rondo still out. He sounds like he'll be back in late December coming off the broken hand with with him. It's going to be curious to see what the Lakers do there with Ingram when he gets back because it kind of feels like things work right now with with Ball and, and Harden in the backcourt and then James Kuzma and McGee up front. And then, you know, it's freed up the rotation a little for Stevenson and KCP coming off the bench behind those guys. And, and last night, boy, I believe both LeBron James and Lonzo Ball both had triple doubles in the same game. That's not something you see too often. Con, what do you think they, they do? Do you think Ingram goes right back in and Hart goes right back to the bench? Man, this is tough for me because I was really high on Ingram and I had some conversations with a lot of people talking about how I think um, Ingram is going to be really valuable and 
take a jump this year and they're doing better without him. <laughs> and when he's playing, he's he's kind of struggling. But I think I think just from Ingram and his comments and stuff, I think you got to slide him back in just in terms of a con- personality control type stuff. And I also think he does have the most talent as well still, even though maybe he's still adjusting to LeBron being there. Maybe uh, he thought he was going to be the guy um this year but lebron came in and now he's kind of secondary or even tertiary if you think lonzo's ahead of him in that sense so i think he's still adjusting he's young he's really long really talented i think they should slide him in i think their best lineup is going to be with him eventually even though maybe it's not right now and you just got to bank on that uh or trade him because <laughs> if he's going to be off the bench he's not going to be happy he's not going to play to his potential and you can get a whole lot for brandon ingram i think even though some people think they can't i would disagree i think teams still really really like him yeah I, that's that's where i'm wondering i'm wondering if trading him might be the actual move to make there for the lakers and that's nothing against brandon ingram i just think you can get a nice return and we all know Le- lebron probably wants some veterans in there that are you know kind of more more ready to win win right now and as you said they're they're playing well they, they've won seven of their last 10 they are up to 18 and 11 and in fourth place in a game and a half out of first in the west i, I think i think we're going to start to see the warriors you know really you know, hit their stride here and start to create some separation at the top of the conference. But there's no reason the Lakers then can't be in that mix and anywhere from, you know, two to five. So so that's something, you know, to keep an eye on with them as they are, uh, you know, move, moving up the standings and playing well. All right, we're going to keep going here. Memphis Grizzlies, Kyle Anderson, ankle. He's out day to day. He missed yesterday's game, Saturday night's game. Miami, Goran Dragic, knee. He's been in and out of the lineup. Sounds like that might be the way it is for him for for a while sounds like he could be you know play a good game have a game off i don't know how often he'll play back to backs and then pete your guys philly jimmy butler sounds like he's getting close sounds like he'll mm-hmm. be back um you know here fairly soon they're they're saying he could even play tonight for the 76ers and it, absolutely they need it and, and you know why you know not just you know wins and losses they need it because they got to get this thing figured out yeah the Embiid, chemistry exactly and mm-hmm. be too much know, one on the record right now yeah, too much on it. Yeah, he was um was it the the Pacers, right? He dominated yeah. them in the first half and then he just looked exhausted midway yeah, that's through the a, third they, quarter. They've got to get another big. Um I mean, yeah. just they have to because he's going to end up either getting injured to where there it's going to be multiple games he's out or just he's going to go back to the let me force everything and bead and and just yeah. get frustrated even worse and that's not good for where they obviously want to be, you know, long term and hey. And, um, you know, to, to jump in there, by the end of the playoff series against Boston, too, you could tell he was frustrated and just mm-hmm. worn out. Yep. Like, he just wasn't the same guy. And I almost wonder if when Butler gets back, well, this is where it's tough, right? Because you need you need those guys to play together. Yeah. Because Embiid went on record and said, you know, it, it's clunky for him. He doesn't really know what his role is and all that. And I give him credit because, you know, he, he's not wrong. And it, it wasn't bad what he said. He didn't say he didn't want Jimmy Butler and wasn't right. happy. He didn't say anything like that. He just, you know, kind of he, – he put words to what I think we all kind of said. Mm-hmm. Is you know it just looks looks odd. So you want them all to play, but I also I do think you it, it's hitting the point with Embiid where I might want to spot him a game or two here 
just yep. you know sit it out but you're right they, they just don't have anything behind them because muscala is he's okay but he's not great and he's right. you know been nicked up and amir johnson fine you know maybe you could throw him in there but you're only getting 15 20 minutes out of him and you don't have sarge and covington anymore so you don't have those guys who can you know slide up and play you know the the four and the five too and raw three. to give you anything so yeah, it's bold, like bold they, and, they yeah, yeah really need a banger like a rebounding banger to that, you know, might play a little bit of defense just to get in there um, and give you something different because JJ can take on a little bit more scoring role. Obviously, Jimmy Butler, Simmons. So you have scoring there covered. I think, you know, having somebody that can defend and, and rebound would help them. I just don't think that, you maybe know, a little bit of Robin Lopez. Yeah, there you go. Hey, well, yeah. I, I'll take him. Yeah, the matching salary gets tough there. I, yeah. I think that's the the tricky part. I mean, right. what's Lopez's twelve million? So, yeah, where where do you go? Um, dumb short cons like, well, we'll, we'll take Markel Fultz. We'll steal him off your off your books. Do you you take well Lopez <laughs> and, and may make them take campaign back? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the way to go. Tough, yeah. Yeah, you know, but but yeah, no, Lopez would be perfect for that team. I mean, you know, so that'd just be an absolutely perfect fit. Um, there. I wonder too. I wonder if they almost would rather a four or five guy. Somebody, you know, who makes a lot of sense for them, and they're they're not going to make another trade in the same season. But a guy like Taj Gibson, who could play alongside Embiid, but then also play behind him, uh, back up a guy like Derek Favors. I would consider swapping Favors for Wilson Chandler. Um, that might might be a move that that could make some sense. There, there, you know, I think you know, but Utah is probably not. They're not interested in that. Uh, Chandler's had trying like to get it going. Low, or career lows this season. Yeah. I don't know if they're that that yeah, was that was I just. Money I like wise. it for Philly side, just not Utah. Yeah, yeah that's just money wise that that could work. Right. But yeah, they they've definitely got Wilson get Chandler for Robin Lopez, Justin Holiday, and a few other seconds. I know they have the Bull second too. I'm sure they could use both players. Yeah, yeah, I'll take Justin Holiday well, well. for them too. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, there it is. We just made it. Okay, let's get a third team in there, but not tell them which guys they're gonna actually give up. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And then, uh, all right, we got a couple more teams to go through. Marvin Bagley's out for the Kings. He's got a you know, so little tweak in his knee. Sounds like he's gonna miss about two weeks. That's you know, it's a bummer because because the Kings are playing great. They're so much fun. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, boy, if you haven't watched him yet, tune in and watch a Kings game because that guy is a blast to watch. But then, you know, Bagley was starting to really figure it out offensively, and now he's going to be out a couple weeks. It does kind of clean things up in their backup big rotation maybe a little. Maybe we'll see Harry Giles get in there and get get a few more minutes. But, you, you know, you'd rather have Bagley on the floor than not. And then the Raptors team sitting at the top of the East has actually come through this first part of their West Coast trip. They picked up two wins uh, without Kawhi. Why Leonard? Then, but they lost Jonas Valanciunas. So he's got a got a broken thumb or dislocated thumb or you know injured thumb, and he's going to be out for a while. And they don't really have any kind of backups behind uh, Serge Ibaka now. It's Greg Monroe, but uh, I don't know. You know, if you're great. yeah, if you're a championship level team, Greg Monroe is probably not the the guy. So you know, Valanciunas will be be watching that. And a lot of people you'll know, throw well, Siakam can slide over, but. 
they you're not going to overextend him in the regular season, right. asking him to play too many minutes at the five. So and and you don't you also don't want to increase Serge Ibaka's minutes much past what they're at right now. So that's going to be you know a situation to keep an eye on in Toronto big time. And then Matt mentioned Siakam, he and Kyle Lowry they're both dealing with some back issues. Lowry's just you know that kind of general back tightness he seems to have regularly. And then Siakam took a pretty nasty fall uh, in their last game out. So but it sounds like they're both going to be okay. Might might miss another game, but you know not much there and then the wizards we talked about them earlier auto porter he is still out with the knee uh soreness there he is day-to-day as well and that kind of closes us out on the injury so let's do it let's get into the closing thoughts so uh pete i know we took your pacers one so we'll give you a second if you want to come up with another one con we'll go to you first yeah so my thoughts um was going to be the king still in it um still winning games i know bagley's out but i think giles can slide in there too they're really fun uh i'm wondering when their story cinderella story is going to end this season maybe it won't end and maybe they'll be in the thick of it come playoff time it'll be super fun to see a king's playoff series i think uh it'll be great experience for them as well but it's going to be tough let's see if they keep it up yeah, no, I love that one. They, they are so much fun to watch. They, you know, they, they Fox just, he, man, that guy's so fast. He gets up and down the floor and, you know, do, does a lot of stuff there. And it's, I'm going to actually pick a somewhat similar um, one, but mine is the Dallas Mavericks. They're 15 uh. and 12 and in the sixth spot. And how long are they going to hang in this thing in the West? It's what I think is getting a little nervous for those teams is it looks like Houston, San Antonio, and Utah are starting to show some signs. So if you're the, the the Dallas and the Kings of the world, that that's got to make you a little bit nervous because if if you, you're going to have to maintain now and continue to push forward because otherwise you're you're going to get caught from behind on that. We already talked. The Clippers are starting to slide. The Grizzlies are starting to slide a little bit. So I think the West may look a lot more like the playoff picture we thought it might look like, you know, here by let's call it a month from now, mid January or so, you know. But but I hope the Kings and Mavs and Clippers and Grizzlies and everybody keeps playing really, really well. Cause that's going to keep the West, you know, extremely interesting going into the trade deadline. And then, you know, really fun to watch them all the way down the stretch. So, all right, Pete, we, we, we stole your Pacers thunder. Right. Did you come up with another one? Uh, looking at, at Minnesota, they've hit that four uh, loss, you know, kind of basic four losses in a row. Obviously it's injuries, but that kind of begs the question of like what happens like, going forward if you know they're they're not necessarily healthy where do they go as far as with the trade deadline with guys like Taj Gibson um you know you've got Derek Rose there so what happens with Tyus Jones as an asset for another team looking for a point guard um and then Thibodeau obviously you know obviously with everything with Jimmy Butler the front office everything like that if they continue to slide and the and teams like you said like Houston Utah you know, those teams move up and you still got the other teams like Sacramento, Dallas, those guys are competitive. Where does that leave Minnesota and what do they do moving forward? Because, you know, obviously Derrick Rose isn't a, a future piece and you've got to build around Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, but then you look at Towns as the centerpiece. So with Wiggins, do you try to move him and, and kind of flesh out the roster a little bit different? So a lot of questions there um, after, you know, getting Covington and Saric you know, from uh, Philly. Yeah, you're you're going to have the Rose stands coming after you, man. They're going to be I all know. up in your I business. Know. But he's not, um, I mean, obviously he's not the future of the team. No, yeah, like, he, and, 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 and he is playing good. 
Yeah. He is. He is. And I'm not I'm not hating on Derrick Rose. I'm glad yeah. that he, you know, has has really turned around um his career mentally from a mental standpoint and then physically on the court has shown that that he's really able to string, you know, healthy games together that are productive. So good for him. Well, and they, that team, their big problem is they stink on the road. They're only two yeah. and twelve on the road. That's that's down in the range with the Suns and Hawks and Bulls and Cavs for the worst in the league. And then Dallas, they've got the widest home road split going. They're thirteen and two at home and two and ten on the road. So right. definitely, that that's just a you know, I, I don't know where Minnesota goes. I had them out of the playoffs before all the Jimmy so drama, just because I. They, they barely made it last year. I feel like other teams improved, and they, they really didn't, and, and we'll see where they go. I'm going to give you one bonus one here as we close out. Orlando Magic, they just won two home games. You can't see me doing the air quotes around home because they were both in Mexico City, but they won two games. They're back up to within a game of 500. They're hanging in there in the, in the East, and how it's getting done for the Magic is that they are winning these games in a way where it's uh, with their defense. It's not all unsustainable shooting it's not you know crazy shooting numbers if anything some of their guys are probably gonna uh, progress to the mean where they're gonna start to shoot a little bit better guys like Evan Fournier and in the like there so they're they're getting it done and one guy to keep an eye on he's not not gonna be an all-star or anything like that but DJ Augustine has had a really really good season for Orlando and has played well so just a little shout out here to my uh my my hometown team here in Orlando that they are playing quite well. So, all right, that is going to close us out for the day here. Thanks for hanging in there. We did not get to the Atlantic division two two in a row that we didn't get to them, but the challenge is we keep having trades and transactions to talk about. And quite frankly, I think that's what we'd rather talk about. And that's probably why you tune into this show. We're so happy for you to join us as we, you know, get everything back up here and running as part of the CLNS media group. Um, we're, you know, thrilled to be on board with them. So Pete, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Pete toll MBA. So it's P E T E T O A L M B A. All right, and Con, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter with what is it, a seven, eight hour delay? <laughs> yep, uh, nine hours actually. Nine actually, hours. depending on the time zone. Anyway, um, I'm at Twitter at Iconic, and then you can go find, spelled with my name, and you can go find uh, my podcast at The Bench Mob NBA. Uh, we do a bunch of mock trade deadline stuff from different teams' perspective, and I bring on some guests when I can. Uh, so go check that out as well. Absolutely. And then you know where to find me on Twitter at Keith Smith MBA. If you enjoy the show and you're happy we're back, please head over to iTunes. Give us a five star rating and review and then tell a friend, too, because we are trying to get this thing built up and grow forward so we can deliver you guys really good content and all that. And we, we promise if there is a trade that happens and it doesn't happen the day before we're going to record we and it's a big enough one, we will come on and record one off. You know, we'll, we'll get it together and figure out how we'll wake Khan up in the middle of the night over in turkey while he's over there for the next couple of weeks and say hey you gotta throw it together so we can get a show up but but thank you so much for enjoying the nba front office show and being back with us on our relaunch and we will talk to you next time Get your feet wet. My feet are wet. 
Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.